Hi, this is Chad Pfeiffer. And I'm Chris Lackey from the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast. And you are listening to Seven Land Hand. Get it. HPPodcraft.com It's Seven Land Hand! Woohoo! Brought to you Australia-wide by Good Games. Cogs! Wes! Awesome! What happened to the world? There are more Zs than a sedated throng of narcoleptic bees watching daytime telly. At Seven Land Hand, we'd like to talk a lot of chit, but can you give everyone the chits and make colours line up faster than a racist business magnate? Well, use your powers for good, and not Donald Trump. We might just have a game for you. This is Seven Land Hand. Gogs is an abstract strategy board game for two to six players published by Reyes in 2014. Reyes is a design company drawing its name from a guy called Ray and a guy called Wes. Wes is Wesley Lamont, a mathematical madman, lead guy at Reyes and often seen across Australia in a lab coat. Cogs is a Mensa-endorsed product, which means boffins in Caythorpe, Lincolnshire, are twirling their moustaches about it. The game's elevator pitch reads as follows. Cogs is a mad scientist strategy board game set in the steampunk era where someone has broken the mad professor's chromatic cog traption. You are a cognizant cogoneer trying to repair the broken cog traption before the professor returns. The other cogoneers all seem to think that they have superior cognition needed to rebuild the chromatic device. It's time to prove you are the true cogoneer genius. Hurry, you recognise there isn't much time to do this incognito before the professor returns with his cognac. One disclaimer before we proceed, Wes is in fact a complete madman. Just listen to that elevator pitch again. However, his math skills have been called into question when it's his shout. But what does it all mean to gamers? Here with me today, I have the biggest coghead I know, Matt McHale. I think you did really well with that elevator pitch. Well done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the actual ludicrous Wesley Lamont. Wesley. Hello. Hey, now we've got a right of reply after all that abuse in the intro. And by ludicrous in your title there, I do mean that you were orders of magnitude bigger than the actual Wesley Lamont. At least two. <laughs> two orders two. of magnitude. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, how have you been? What's been up in your worlds of geek this month? Week? Oh, I've been up to a couple of things. Yeah. It, it's actually more, it's spanned, well, it has spanned the week. Because it's uh, spread out, and I'll tell you why. The Realm Adventure League has started. Oh, right. Rather, Alpha Realm Adventure League. I've got into, you know, fantasy football, fantasy baseball, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, turned into a jock in the last six days. Well, I'm now into Fantasy Fantasy League. Is this uh, <laughs> Blood, Blood Bowl Fantasy no, League? No, this is Adventure League. make it gaming League. somehow. What? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's in Alpha uh, testing at the moment. And I've jumped on board, so I've, I've created a party of adventurers. Is it an online thing? Yeah, it's an online right. browser thing. And, and uh, you're drafting heroes into your little little band of, of ah. adventurers. And they, through a draft system, and then eventually they play off against each other. I don't know how. I'm pretty sure it's all random number crunching. But you, at the end, win rounds. And, and you get points based on how well your team did, just like uh, any of those other fantasy leagues. Yeah. And in the end, there's an eventual winner. So it sounds incredibly nerdy. No, that's it sounds incredibly right. jockish as well. Well, because yeah, you're in a really. fantasy league. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, there's about uh, 10, 10 leagues, uh, 10, 10, sorry, teams in one league at the moment. So, And you just plug your wife's uh, ca- credit card number in at the beginning exactly of playing right. and, and yeah. away you go. In-app purchases, <laughs> I can see exactly I can yeah. see exactly where this is going, in-app purchasing, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But uh, it, you know, it's early days at the moment. They've, they've just opened it up for a little bit of testing. So they design a 
plethora of Well, they've got... No, no, this is, this is a different... I think they're very generic. Yeah. So they, uh, you know, your typical uh, gaming uh, adventure tropes. Yeah. And so they get thrown together into these uh, good guys, bad guys, and you draft them based on I've got no idea, I had no points limitation, so I just drafted. Is mm. there combos and sets you get bonuses for that? Uh, at this stage, I've got no idea. So just yeah. draft. You'll find, just, you'll find ways that people yeah. come to Seven Line Hand for facts, and that's what Matt's <laughs> laying down real early yeah. here. There are no facts about this So where would people stage. find this? Uh, you'll find it... Um, <laughs> uh, you know what? I didn't write down. It's, it's called the Realm Adventures thing. League. Hey, so I've been doing things that are out there as well this last it's week. It's closed for... Um, to any more submissions at this stage. I think they'll reopen it once they've done this yeah. kind of testing. But so it's just a bit of testing. The and then other I'll... thing, right? this is the one I'm really excited about. Oh, but hang on, before you move away from that, Mariah Carey's not involved in that other thing, no. is she? And that well, other, the... unless, we're ta- unless we're going back in time. Oh, don't worry about it. No, no. Just keep, <laughs> move, move on I to the next I broke out uh, time stories on the weekend yes, with some did. mates of mine. You... And brilliant, this game. I, I've not been so enthused about a game since playing, oh, Dead of Winter. <laughs> yeah, episode number fifty-five. One, episode fifty-five. <laughs> Go to good games and win it. And um, good, yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's, just, what's just give us a skinny well, on that? I don't want to. It's a very spoiler-rich game, so I can't give away any information. Oh, okay. Other than well, it's like hosting a murder at your dinner party, that sort of thing. In a sense, yeah. Right, yeah. There's things that happen. It's a deck exploration game. Right. So you've got a deck of cards that. that uh, looks like there's enigma to you, basically. And throughout the course of the game, you're visiting locations which reveal cards to you. If you go and have a look at this location specifically, you can find out what information's on the back of the card. But if you're not there, let's well, say if you're there, you get to look at it. But if uh, one of your adventuring party is with you, or the fellow time agents yeah. is with you, but they're not at the same physical area as you they can't look at the card and you can't tell them you can't read the card you've got to narrate it to them yeah so you paraphrase you give them the gist of the card and 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 the game just basically progresses from there and i've i've played through it twice now now we did twice in one sitting so which is about an hour two at two two and a half hours it took to do two runs. Right. And the great thing is you go back and you reset the game after every run. You fail. Okay, you fail because you run out of time. And then you go back and you have another go. And eventually the aim is to try and complete the game in as little time as possible because time is, is, is a resource in the game. And if you run out of time, you, know, you, you ultimately fail. But you're looking at about four or five runs, playthroughs of the game, before uh, you actually complete it. Uh, is that, is was the, that a Kickstarter game that you No, no, up? this is uh, just... brought out by Space Cowboys. Because you uh, got it through the mail, didn't you? It arrived at your yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did it on a Sunday, uh, which is just unheard of, except hmm. around Christmas time, I guess. Yeah, Christmas. But um, you get a scenario straight out of the box, and then uh, they're bringing... I'm still every impressed that you used, you used the term exploration. Yeah. Since you said that, I've had fun changing the vowel <laughs> on that. Like, exploration <laughs> is where you hunt around in your undies for any yeah, surprises there might be. Uh, exploration we have. Uh, exploration we'll leave alone because we're an adult podcast these yeah. days in sensible ways. Dock exploration is uh-huh. where you go down to the uh, shipbuilder's yard. Yep. And duck exploration is where you you know read read up on Donald. I think that pretty much covers them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you look under board game geek for. Uh, Variations of this type of game. You see all of them. They're They're all there. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, look for more. Uh, We're still playing the first scenario, the one that came in the box. But every every quarter, they're bringing out a new game. It's just like having an old VHS. 
So oh, the, con- the console, <laughs> the game itself, or an old a Game Boy or whatever. Um, a, that's how a, a Game Boy, Boy or Game a Boy. Yeah, you get a cartridge. A Game Boy. Physical items. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a Game Boy, and that's the actual game. Matt itself. played on his VHS for days and years, <laughs> and, and I got nothing out of it. Yeah, it he didn't he work. had the top score on his VHS. <laughs> Unless we're talking about Nightmare or one of those older games. That, that's where my mind went. <laughs> Nightmare, I'm playing it once. So um, you've got the console, which is the game itself, and then you plug in a new scenario. So every three months, every quarter. There's a new scenario to play, so I've already. Got so you plug your one. wife's uh, credit card in, for the, um, <laughs> yeah, and you give that all that money to Space Cowboys. That's right. Great. Yeah. Hey Wes, the only way to stop him from talking is for you to tell us what uh, you've been up to. <laughs> <laughs> you've been some, you've been a wabber and yes. doing something for those guys. Um, last Saturday had their December Con, which is their annual large convention for wabbers, which is WA Board Game Association yeah. get together. Um, really, really impressive. Like it's a. Probably good, like couple hundred people rock up there and Sweet. play a game for twelve hours. Yeah, um, and it's it's yeah. It's, what time it's does fantastic. it kick off? Then does it go eleven till eleven? Okay, starts, nice. starts late in the morning, then goes late. That's um, what I like to hear. You know, a yeah. nice late start, and we're just here forever. Yeah, That's pretty good. much. So you I could didn't get, leave till like eleven thirty at night. I think. So you could end. get twenty games in, or one game of Arkham Horror. I did see a couple of people playing some games and I walked past the table probably more uh, times during the day and they're still going on that one round game. three. Um, and I've, I've seen games like that before. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Generally, generally, yeah, you get quite a lot. I'm trying to think how many I did. It probably wouldn't have been a dozen. It would have probably been half a dozen to a dozen. I can't remember exactly. There wasn't yeah. any diplomacy going on, was there? I like short games, so <laughs> I, I'm, all, I'm all good for the I'm bit still of like, you know, knock them out type thing. Yeah. Still baffled by uh, diplomacy. Thank you, Julian Rangerton. <laughs> Diplomacy's awesome. Uh, Wes, you also recently we uh, met up at the Perth Games Fest. So yes. if you had listened to last episode, well, 55, I played, we played some sound bites from yeah, that. Yeah. And uh, Wes, you were one of the um, people Breathless, and and Breathless enthusiasts. Yeah, so and you had that yeah. awesome, ludicrous set. So we'll get, I think we'll get into that a little bit later, won't we? Yeah, well, yeah. Yes. What have you been up to, David? I was just having a, I was just having a check of my notes about what I've been up to. Uh, yeah, so Black Plague arrived. Now I did send yes. some photos around. Black Plague. We know we have our fun with um, our friends over at Cool Mini or not. For we love them. You know, <laughs> taking everyone's Kickstarter money, uh, and they take all our Kickstarter money because they offer us a game and then a million and one extra miniatures. Um, so this this last week I got. I'm sure other people are out there got it as well. Just a board game sized mm. brown box. Yeah. I was thinking, I'm sure I would have got extras. Is that all I got? <laughs> you know, like, they were, they were maybe they just all extras. slid in there somehow or whatever. Open up the box, it's just the board game. And I was like, well, maybe it's the crammed them all inside the actual box somehow. Just really just grasping mm. at straws at this stage. There was a big note on the front of the, uh, of the box stating that um, they just wanted to hurry out the game to us and all the extras and. Uh, any expansions that you might have bought or any extras that you might have bought will be coming in quarter one, 2016. Now, I'm sort of half torn about this. I want to have a go at Cool Mini or not, but at the same time, I'm thinking, well, at least I've got the game. They've got and it out to you early. Yeah, they've got that. Not, not instead of, not instead of waiting for the whole thing later on, at least it's arrived and we can play it. True. And then when the new stuff arrives we can incorporate it into what we're playing instead of just having it all at once and getting terrified by so many expansions that I'm not using and not playing them and oh, giving up. Yeah. Something like that. I noticed something else you got in the box. That was the the, the letter that all that information was on. Yeah, at yeah. the bottom there, yeah. they took the time to sign to it. Sign it. Every I'm sure every every employee at Cool mm. are not guillotine games and uh, a little rich now. Kickstarter. So rich people uh, sign stuff. They've all yeah. signed it. 
So, That's you know, why, you nice know, that game we played earlier with Cog's uh, yeah. bag and it had that Wesley Lamont written above it. That's right. <laughs> That's what we're talking yeah. about that, right? That's the sort of thing. And I'm trying to think, when, when did they start putting uh, the designers' names on the front? Because I'm pretty sure Milton Bradley didn't design Monopoly. Oh, that's not. Or am I completely no, it's, wrong? it's a lady that did it. Yeah, that's um, right. So, <laughs> um, English lady when did it? Name. When did it start appearing that the actual designers got their names printed on the front? And and you know, any any idea? Well, that's when? an all right thing, isn't it? Sounds yeah. like a quiz question. I know it I'm does. I'm not sure at all, actually. <laughs> I, I mean, it's the same with novels as well. You notice that novel authors, yeah. as they get well known. Oh, the, yeah, the title versus the, the size of the author right, yeah. um, gets inversely proportional to yeah. how well the author's known. Well, half the time you just buy this name and then there's a like, little thing saying what the book but is. But we are getting to terms with who's designing what games and, yeah. and looking yeah. for, oh, I enjoyed that game, so this guy, you know, who's involved with this? It comes down to the whole uh, appreciation, I think, we have nowadays of, uh, of the actual design and effort that goes mm. into them. So yeah. recognition where recognition is due, I think, is what's happening. Well, generally, it would be the commercial side that would determine that whether the publisher goes, it is worth putting the designer's name mm. on here or not. So some big names, yeah. that I think, that aren't known back then wouldn't have their name, and probably mm. now they're kind of going, oh, we really wish we had. Same, yeah. same reason why they put, you know, published authors' names uh, in big letters on a, on a movie or a book. Like mm. any movie that's <laughs> yep. Stephen King's something or other, the movie's rubbish. But if it's like The mm. Shawshank Redemption or The Green Mile yeah. it, and then, oh, it's written by Stephen King. It's <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah. stories, right? Um, uh, respect for Bethesda is growing in my household as well. Oh, Had a bit of an upset rant about this last week with the MTG guys. Mm. Lyle wasn't having it. The Fallout 4 wasn't I can't say it wasn't good, but wasn't suitably geared towards new players. My idea was that it includes Fallout 3 because those are your instructions on how to play Fallout 4. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tutorial. Yeah, yeah. you know what? Fallout 4. You're, I know, you're absolutely right. I, I've struggled so hard. But now, because I love my post-apocalyptic worlds, I, I think I said this last week, I honestly have a hole in my heart where um, Dying Light used to live. I love being <laughs> in that world. Um, and so I thought Fallout 4, brilliant. I'll walk around in this um, landscape of devastation. But I just couldn't figure out how to do half these things. I spent half my time on the internet learning. I'm starting to get in front of that now, yeah. and I'm starting to get that. Must get back to that settlement and look after my people. I've, I've played yeah. it once, and I played it on my, on my mate uh, Pete's PC. So, Which I, one is this, Fallout 4? Fallout 4, yeah. Because you were a big I've Fallout guy. I've come from guy. Fallout 3, yeah. Fallout 3 yeah. And, and New Vegas. You know, that's, that's where I came from. Yeah. So I knew how to play. So a lot of the combat systems and all that sort of stuff, VATS, all that sort of thing, I already knew about that. Yeah. Now, what was new is the crafting. So okay. what do I do when I get on this PC instead of going out and, and finding you know, what to do, where to go, all that sort of thing, completing quests, I start crafting. Mm. Yeah. And that it's like, was um, not an intuitive thing. I, I did no. not find that intuitive whatsoever. I bumbled my way through and eventually I started making beds and I started making, I made a chair and have you done power yet? Power, no. I've had I've <laughs> I've had a power source and put a line to a switch, then started hanging lights. A light will come on. Then I grab another power light. I put it in place. It lights up, and I go. That's not quite the place I want to put it. I'll put it over here, and it goes out. Yeah. And then I go to put. I go. Oh crap! I'll put it back where I put it initially. It doesn't come back on. I can never get it going again. Uh, I pull it off. 
put it in a different building, it comes on. And I'm thinking, shall I just leave it there? Because it's just on now, you know? <laughs> you I've just got it. no idea why it's working, it's not working. It's not like there's a fuse blown or it can't power it mm. because it has for a second and then... And, oh man! No, I make a great, <laughs> I make a great table. It even has four legs and everything. So I, I guess that's that's yeah. <laughs> my favorite part Could about it gaming. is is the uh, the weapon crafting. I really like the weapon. Crafting. Have you got any of the chemical table yet? No, 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 no. no, no. I can't I, 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 yet. Literally, oh. my my experience is about an hour long. Oh, you've uh, done well then. I so, was deeply, deeply, nervously distressed and anxious by after an hour. I think I'm about probably sixteen hours in, and I'm just starting to go. I think. I think I think I can survive. I think I can do this. I just got out of the got out of the crafting uh, out of the uh, vault. Went and did uh, one of the quests where you pick up the power armor. Then came back and saw the crafting table and said, oh, I'll have a go at that. So for the next hour, I was just crafting. Uh, yeah, the weapons thing where you get to customize, make your own weapons. I reckon that's a great addition. It's probably the best thing they've added to the Fallout franchise. If Dying Light's anything to go by, that had crafting in it. And it was great fun and it was really good. Um, but it did feel like there was a bit of a learning curve, not as steep as this is. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't feel like because I've been doing the craft and stuff in Dying Light that I could just take what I knew there and just carry it over. Yeah, it felt like a bit of a, a grind. Lyle just seemed to think it was just like, yeah, this is fine. You're an idiot, you know. And I was like, no, I really want to play. No. Yeah. Did, did you guys find the crafting a bit overwhelming? I had a friend that said he spent his yeah. entire time mm. collecting. Yeah every single item and cutting back to itself to build things and mm. he said he didn't really explore much he just Look, became I didn't, a, I didn't mind the the world that you're in and trying to problem solve that's what I'm there for that's what I really mm. want to do it was the the controller and interfacing with that and I'd get things like I'd get a whiff off the internet that your, your power and your power armor will run down okay so it tells you A get into the into the suit of arm you get into the armor you're wandering around go, this is cool alright my power's running down I don't think really think I'm using it I'll get out how do I get out? Press A. Nothing happens. Press A. Nothing happens. <laughs> Run out. There's no instructions anyway. Look at the Ooh. controller settings in the, and, and you couldn't do it. Have to go online and have a look. Mm. Hold A down. You get back out. And this, the instructions for Fallout 4 seem to be the internet. And <laughs> yeah. that's it, right? I've just taken a living vicariously through others and I just watched you know, Twitch TV and... Uh and, uh, you really need a friend just to sit there and just go, hey, you do that by doing this. And you go, okay, I'd really like to do this. Why isn't this working? You need to do this. And, and mm-hmm. they go, oh, thanks, man. Thanks, you know, I don't thanks. even think I'm missing, again, missing out on much. You know, by watching other people play, I guess that, that leads to my voyeuristic tendencies. I just like to watch. You listen to me. In 40 hours' time, <laughs> Fallout 4, I'll be on this podcast telling you it's the greatest game of all time. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned for next, uh, next week. Yeah, next week. It won't take long. (laughs) Christmas is coming up. You think I'll be spending that with family? No, Fallout 4. Uh, All right, that's about it. We we can... Oh, one more thing. Bought bought Star Wars figures today. That's a massive risk. This Uh, is where... Which one? Well, the Christmas gifts. But once I got Kylo Ren, I felt, I'm cool, I'm cool. But then that's how I felt when I bought Darth Maul. And even though he is still cool to this day... When I bought Darth Maul, I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, man, I've got the new Darth Vader from the new three series movies. It's just going to be brilliant. And that's how I felt when I bought Kylo Ren. And then I remember the massive disappointment that followed Darth Maul. Yeah. Um, so now I'm a bit terrified again. The subsequent uh, the, it's the big uh, ball of anxiety today. Yeah, the, oh, no, that was great. Oh, that part was, yeah. <laughs> but why did they kill him? Like, oh, man. All right. Should we just uh, get, get, get towards talking co- co- cogs? Let's get cognizant oh yeah let's we'll get, we'll get, get some of that talk going 
All right, and so just before we get into reviewing and looking at COGS, uh, we're very lucky to have Good Games as our sponsors. And all of this month, they're giving our listeners 10% off Dead of Winter, the uh, board game we reviewed in episode 55. All you have to do is walk into Good Games, any Good Games store, and be reasonably charming. State the password. Winter Wonderland. I said sing it even. Winter Wonderland. Not you, Matt, just oh. others, other people. They can sing. Anyway, uh, this lasts only for a month, and we're, what, halfway through December now, so yeah. we're getting there. Getting close. Yeah. Uh, and also, while stocks last, and I hear that a lot of the stores are selling out fast and may have already sold out. So, if well, that's the that case... for that? Was that? Yeah, I think Good. so. It's yeah. all us. Thank Definitely. you, Seven Land Hand listeners. <laughs> you support us by buying all this stuff, and we'll be able to talk about Matt's weekends from... Yeah, infinite amount inf- of time. Infinite amount of time. Yeah. Immediately go to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash sevenlandhand and leave a comment on episode 55's post. Every commenter goes in the draw to win Dead of Winter. Can I stress the point? Every commenter. Well, that's I know. That's what we've said from the beginning. That's in every single text. And there's a truckload of people make, liking it yeah. and not commenting. Does that mean that maybe they don't want the game? Maybe they're just happy to be there and they're liking the, what we're doing. But, maybe, uh, but I'm very happy that the adjudicator of that is going to be someone high up in the good games empire yeah. and not me. Uh, but, yeah, some but lucky commentator, commentator, commenter, commenter is not a word, is it? I don't know. Someone who makes Maybe a comment on that it. post uh, <laughs> is going to win within weeks. So uh, don't forget, Good Games stores are friendly, knowledgeable, good-looking staff, except for at Cannington. Uh, <laughs> free, <laughs> free board game nights. And Australia's biggest crowd of gamers, just like you, eager to sit down and roll some dice. Okay, back to the show. Cogs! Cogs. That's in capitals with a Z. Oh. Where's? What? Cogs! Where Cogs? <laughs> Yeah, so Cogs, it's a board game. Is it a board game? <laughs> I, I call it a board game. It's a, it's a tile-based game, but it's still in a board game. Category. We're calling it. We agreed on chits earlier, so the introduction would be uh, funny. Your definition of we is... is, is de- <laughs> My definition of funny as well is very loosely based as well. So, yeah, so what's the, what's the basic approach? What are we buying into when we're playing Cogs? What are we trying to do? So in Cogs, you're all the scientists trying to fix this broken machine, which is the professor's cog traption, which is damaged and yep. he's left the room and everyone's kind of going oh we need to fix it before he gets back and that's the concept so you're all working around the bits trying to repair it trying to put it back together and you all have different idea of what is correct as true scientists invariably do yeah and so you kind of set you're all cooperatively trying to fix it but in your own scientific manner yeah which creates that bit of conflict oppositional stuff so each player is individually trying to do their own thing it, it really is competitive game just with, yeah. a, with, a, with a cooperative yeah. concept behind it but it's, it's, it's competitive yeah oh, that's, that's cool and it's uh, like it's it's uh, billed as a steampunk game uh mm. so you know let's it's, it's it's and, and it's called Cogs, which is a very coggy kind of thing as well. Yeah, is there a wider world that you can hint at that it's uh, fitting in at all? Uh, there, there is a wider universe which I'm developing. Cogs yeah. is the first game published by Ray's at the moment, um, but there is much more depth to it, which is going to be unveiled as in you, expansions, in yeah, other games, yeah. in future stuff. And there'll be hints. There's supposed to be a hint in the box, which is missed, which I mentioned to these guys <laughs> yeah. earlier, which is a bit sad. But yeah, there, there's certainly a bigger environment to this game yeah yeah all right so um what we're we looking at when we're setting it out on the table in front of us and what have we got okay so there is a the board in the middle is basically set of tiles so each tile is about a carcass on size tile the yeah. grid varies from the number of players so you have more players you have a larger grid and each player has a scoreboard which is a, 
um, a moderate size board in front of them with scoring tokens that move around the score track. And we, we always talk about like, the, the card stock. I mean, this is insane, this card stock. Yeah, it's like thick. you could beat your grandmother to death with yeah. it if she well, didn't give you enough lollies. <laughs> That, that's, that's probably not one of the, the selling points of the game. I think um, don't go that comes out, to mind. Don't go out and beat your grandmother with. Oh, uh, right in. If you do, if you do put your, ho- your grandma in hospital with the game of cogs, let us know. <laughs> Where, where's all for your legal bills? <laughs> <laughs> Heard it here oh, first. Well, yeah. But yeah. No, I, I did request high quality stuff, and they've done a fantastic yeah, job. Absolutely, it's all right, linen yeah. laminated, thick stock. It's very heavy duty stuff. Yeah. It's, even it's the, really nice. Even the screw that you put together, the uh, round counter and everything, that's like a solid gear as well. Yeah. It's just, well I wanted brass stuff. In it, so I pretty much requested brass gear or brass screws. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually got little brass screws. I saw, I saw I mean, a little bit on the Kickstarter thing. There was, there was like proper metal, was it? Or was the resin it, round Initially I was going to have like plastic that? ones and that was, yeah. that was one of the stretch goals is I'm, I want brass. Oh, okay. And yeah, so yeah. the stretch goal got achieved and so yeah, well, I put brass all through it. Wow. And really the price even wouldn't have been very much but I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wanted the brass and I didn't really want a plastic screw so yeah. you know, we, we got through the, well, the components We got through all the, the goals really quickly. So Yeah, yeah. well hey, that's good, right? The components in the box are astounding though, aren't they? They're like even the bag is good. Except that thing. It took me ages just to text the Wesley Lamont off my bag because that's not my name and I thought <laughs> I thought why what, does he still own it, does it? That it with works everything. for me yeah. Yeah, yeah you just walk in and go that's mine it's got my that's name, mine. It has my oh, name. I never thought of that I just go and take <laughs> copies back off people it's it. brilliant sell it again <laughs> yeah all right, That's so my copy. so you said well, we we set out the tiles or chits as I like to call them uh, into a into a grid and the the grid is uh, it's multicolored and. Uh, I was wanting to get into the... Well, you, you tell me, like, what are we looking at? And I'll... Okay, so it's a set of gears. Like Each tile print has two segments of gears on it. Yeah. And so when they're lined together, they can make long chains or they can make circles, they can make components, and that's kind of how you fix it. Yeah. So the players print swap components from the hand with components on the board or the tiles, and if they complete sections, it becomes a, a fixed um, component of the, of the machine, and that gets fixed in place. And so the, the contraption slowly gets fixed as, as players progress. So each tile has a has two quarters of a of a whole yes. yeah of a yeah. whole cog, and so you swap them out and you you repair things. But obviously, you repairing things that will help you is going to help other players, and they may do things that you don't want them to do with what you've done, which is uh, what we had in the game we just played, you know, only, only probably half an hour ago, where I'll, I'll try and set something up for me, and then one of you two guys will just come and fix it your way, which isn't what I wanted, but you know that's yeah. that's how we all work together to fix this the machine. And you and you, and you have a, a what would you call it, call it like a your, your hand of three tiles that you inter, interplay with the ones that are in the grid. Uh, you just refresh that with the card that you, the chip that you yes. take out as well. So we're sort of leaning into how you play and the strategy of it a little bit, right? Oh, there, there's lots of depth of strategy. Like initially, it's just making long chains of color. So it's very very basic. If kids plat fine. I've had five year olds plat fine, six year olds plat fine. Yeah. My my partner's nine year old is an absolute ace at the game. Your partner's a nine year old. Yep, got that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You have exceptional hearing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it, on the surface, it's very, very easy to, to grasp. You swap tiles, you score the chain length. But then what you pick up is very, very critical. So the first thing people usually learn is that they end up halfway through the game going, oh, my hand's really bad. And usually I look at them going, who's the cause of that? And they go, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you've it, swapped yeah, out tiles you've and you've ended out. up with the same... Because you haven't paid, paid attention to what you've picked up. You've looked at, oh, that's going to get me a lot of points. You've grabbed it. Yeah. Except that what you've grabbed ends up not actually helping you in future. So it's so like phase one strategy is let's play a good card, but then phase two is like yes. let's pick up a good yeah. shit as well. Um, sometimes you often end up doing a really bad move to get a particularly powerful tile no. for a situation that you can help you I think, win. I think when you... I mean, just sitting down in front of it and playing it like we just did, uh, something that immediately 
really struck me was that it just seems insanely intuitive. It's like it felt like I'd been there before and and played this game. You know, it's just like mm, this is just really easy just to approach and sit down with. Uh, and now my this is what I'm going to show you a picture, which isn't good for podcast. This is what came to mind. Is it they're like the Rubik's? Oh, the yes. Rubik's, remember the, the old, Rubik's rings? Rubik's, I think Rubik's, Rubik's, Rubik's yeah. mass magic. It was called. <laughs> Many people have said that before. Uh, have they? Yeah. yeah. And it's just that, but it's just the it's the. Um, uh, what are they Swapping called? And the, the, and the corn yeah. and the colours and all yep. that sort of stuff. Yep, the you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just um, it's in very it's just it's in very mm. intuitive, very approachable. It's in very um, well primary colours better as than, well. Better than Rubik's oh, better magic. Than. That was so crap. Where's that? Rubik's these days? <laughs> mm. I don't even finish that rings. I remember having one at one yeah. point in my childhood. I never it. it. It had that fi- very fine um, fishing wire, fishing wire right. in it. Yes. Once that snapped, it was all over the thing. Who snapped? The useless Yeah, hooligan. <laughs> just bend it too far. You know, try and get the most out of it. I, th- I, th- I think that that puzzle was actually easily easy to fix because it was just a matter of just having a certain combination. It was the, the cube that everyone knows of that was yeah. really difficult. I was never any good at either of them. Yeah. I guess I guess that's anyway. That's why I'm me. Another, <laughs> and another you're you. Rubik's cogs. Rubik's cogs. <laughs> there we go. That's, that's, that could be a little bit of a, a tie-in product tie-in. Uh, what stood out to me was was the immediately was the design the, the the graphic design so the color of the game it's your primary colors plus green all backed onto a very uh workshop metallic background you yeah. know that's lots of wooden lots of brass in the which background. stood yeah. out and mm. and i think visually from across the room you can see what's happening you can see this color you can start to see the snakes of of or the chains linking, or the cogs linking, sorry, and f- even from across the room. So you've got an idea of what's happening. It's, it's almost, uh, I, I like it a little bit to set collection, but in front of you rather than in your hand. Hmm. So you're collecting the colour links. But each of those colour nice. links have a different dark pattern within them, which I think makes they it do. cool for the colourblind to play as well, because I, I played it over... In, when I was in Sydney, and there was a guy that was colorblind, and we pulled this out just to test how colorblind yeah. he was mm. and if this game would work. And it worked fine for him, he could do it. Because, isn't that right, Wes? There's a, there's a different pattern drawn yes. within the colors I, as well. I, when I first made this, even way back when I did a prototype within the first time I designed the game, I always wanted to be colorblind friendly. Yeah. And the way to do that is either textures, which is what I've done, or symbols or things like that. So I kind of went, I don't really want to do symbols. It kind of breaks that whole... Yeah, plasma you know, flow from the yeah. machine thing, yeah. So I kind of went, went textures and, and yeah, and I, I used some colorblind software testing and I had some friends that... Because colorblind's massively variable. There's you three primary colors pretty much, the red, green, yeah. blue is what yeah. people can have deficiencies in. Yeah. And pairs of them, and I've got a friend that has all three of them deficiencies, so he actually sees in grey. Hmm. And he much came in and, and I said, can you play this game? And he looked at it and went, it's, look, it's fine. And he said, yeah. why, why does it have my name and like terms of abuse all the way through the colors? Your <laughs> <laughs> yeah. next step is then to incorporate braille. I did actually consider doing Braille because I did want a fully blind version of the game. <laughs> Printing costs go up a bit. Like, well, I was considering embossing. And funnily yeah. enough, when I went through the whole thing, go, well, I was going to emboss the textures. So I wasn't going to Braille. I was yeah. going to emboss the textures so I can yeah. feel them. Wow, that You actually can great. feel it on the board. And then I thought, hang on a minute. A blind person's going to have to feel every single tile on the game, <laughs> restore all that memory-wise yeah. in their head, and then every time anyone plays a tile, they've got to do it all again. And I thought, it's not going to happen. You're right. That's a little bit prohibitive. I, mean, yeah. I don't know. Put right in if you're blind and let us know. But yeah. I mean, I once in my line of work uh, picked up this blind guy. I had to take him to the other side of town. And we were driving for 15 minutes or something. And I said to him, hey, do you... 
do you know where we are right now? And he's like, yeah. And he just, and, and he said, we're at this intersection about to come on a Welsh Bull Road or something like that. And I was, mm. and it was like a superpower. I was just like, that is insane. Yeah. But it's a different level of concentration. Did you realise then that he had uh, his GPS plugged into his phone, which was plugged was, into his ear? These that, were, did I shatter the illusion? Back in the day before <laughs> GPS were just, oh, they were wow. just letters of the alphabet back then. Super. Yeah, I think he was a superpower. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty good. But that's a, I think that uh, I got a sense as well as the game progressed, you get this sense. Like so, this is a machine. It's initially broken. You've got all the tiles there, and as we lock, you know, circles or edge-to-edge -edge, uh, tracks of color in, the board starts to take form, which sort of really fits in thematically. I thought really quite well because it gives that sense that there's a there's a function to this thing that we're, this beast that we're putting together yeah. here, right? Yeah. So like maybe that's like Matt, Matt was talking about. There's a there's a visual thing to it which uh, works on several different levels. And it's progression because a lot of people look at it when it's the boards initially set up as a random, like yeah. a random set of sort of tiles. So they're generally all broken, nothing lines up and things like that. So a lot of people that like um, like OCD people look at it and go, oh, I hate this game. I don't like all these colors <laughs> all over the place. And they're probably the people actually going to really love this game because that's the yeah, people that get down and make stuff. And they want to fix it. And of course, yeah. by the time you finish the game, you generally have it because it's it's based on number of players at scale. So. Mm. Almost any number of players will have at the end looking pretty much complete or, or roughly complete. And it, it actually starts to look quite nice. Yeah. These rings and these, you know, figure eight sometimes, There's these big chains through it of all colours and it, it starts to take Patterns and form mm. to it, yeah, where you've turned chaos into some sort yes. of form. and of course that's appealing even if, you're, even if you're not playing to win. You're just going, this is, you know, fun yeah. artistic progression. So, so if you were to pop this into a, a theme of game... Uh, uh, mechanic, whether it's abstract... Yeah, there's a lot of them on Board Game Geek. Yeah. Where would you fit it? I'm actually not sure. Because, I mean, it's certainly... It's abstract underlying, but the themes come in quite heavily to try and hide that. I, I didn't want it to be a pure abstract. Um, but mechanically-wise, I'm not sure what it would... Because they listed yeah. the first one is abstract strategic, but I don't know if they just uh, put them well, as... Well, that, that's kind of a, a genre. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, are you referring to genre? Because certainly abstract but strategic would probably be the... And family is another one as well, because often that's a category. Yeah. Fa it certainly is a family game. Can, yeah. yeah, so category... And I'm, I'm looking at Board Game Geek here, so I'm looking yeah. at the, the COGS page, and list, in under category it's listed as abstract strategy, game uh, memory, and there's a bit more... Game of puzzle. memory. So... Well, memories are a lower element. I mean, yeah, because yeah. you actually can, if you're really good, you know what everyone else picks up. Yeah, that's and the thing. And you can thing, actually, if you're very, very clever at this game, you, there's a lot more depth to it. And like, yeah. you know what everyone's in hand, you know what they can really go for, you know what bonuses they've picked up. Because yeah. it's, it's all open. And, that, and that's when your nine year olds are dangerous because they remember <laughs> stuff like that once they get yeah, the hang of we, it. We older folk lose our memory power. Yeah, there's, no, there's no way. <laughs> I think uh, describing as hand management is quite accurate because you're mm, looking at the definitely. tiles, that you, the three tiles you have in your hand, you're looking at the board state. And because and you're switching ahead. in a tile, you've got to plan ahead and mm -hmm. say, okay. I, I, I fell into the trap, I think, the first time I played this where I ended up with a handful of similar colors yes. and then nowhere to put them because yep. uh, they just. I'd be replacing tiles, which wouldn't score me any points because the orientation was the same. Mm. So uh, there was that trap that I found in. Is there? Did you find a? Is there a harder strategy to play? A, a hardest strategy? I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, there's numerous ways to play the game. There's lots of depth to it, but mm. pretty much you, you you play it as it lies. I mean, there's there's lots of things you can pick up on depending on the number of players. Mm. Like when you with a six player game, pretty much the entire set of tiles comes out. So pretty much every single combination is there on the board. Yeah. When you go down to two and three, you actually pull out a subset to make the board and you don't touch the rest. They get put aside. Yeah. So a good player pretty much goes there, looks at the board and pretty much works out 
you know, what, you, what, what colour's limited? There may be no, almost no green. Mm. So instantly you go, oh, there's no green. Do I want to hammer that early? Do, do I want to like let uh, them yeah. play on it? Then yeah. do, I wanna, do I want to follow them when they play on it? Because I get more points than they do. Yeah. There's all these other things you can do, and, but they're all different layers to, I, I wouldn't say a single strategy. <laughs> it's just you, you, no. you do what you can. Well, when like, we were out there, I played the, uh, I, I did go oh, for the lock. Locking. Okay. I went for the lockdown. Mm. Of the, but I think of the, maybe yeah. we should touch on how it scores as well because that's what you were that's saying fair. out there, which I thought was good. Uh, it's, you know, so there's four different colours that you have a, uh, like you have a what, score tracker. Yep. And there's a little chit that represents each colour. And it's the trailing colour, the lowest point, mm. which is your actual score, which I think is really cool because then you just don't become the yellow guy and you're just hammering it away. And you made a point that if you're... What, what did you say earlier on about? The strategy, yeah. Because initially the logic is if it's the lo- longest chain gets you the most points and most points wins, Yeah. the game locks things down when you complete it. So the game would progress like we'd all go like red, 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 red. And the person who locks it pretty much is guaranteed to get the highest points in that yeah. colour. And suddenly they've won and the game's like pretty much over in the middle of the game. Yeah. Which is not exactly what... The, the, it loses a lot of strategy without that. Because yeah. so. it also can change. You, you can... I mean, I was thinking, I don't want to set this track up here because it sets up someone to score big on that particular mm. color but i didn't check everyone else's tallies because if if i was to look at other people's score sheets perhaps they had no reason to score a lot in red you might be thinking about a completely different color and totally disregard that or maybe pay any attention to it if you're trying to spoil it for me to score a lot of red mm. if it came back to me if that was a color i was interested in so yeah, there's three different levels of thinking right there isn't there oh there, there's many <laughs> yeah well if the lowest the lowest of your colors is your score at the end of the game, end of the game score plus modifiers. Yep. So I, what I find is if you're neglecting one color, it's easy for one to then trail behind. So red, and if you neglect red, it's trailing behind the other three colors. Then you find yourself in a situation where you're not going to be able to lock off anything to or to get the extra points simply because you're so far behind. Mm. And then you you basically you, you, you do yourself into a corner. So it's very easy to see a losing state, I, I found. If you were behind... Mm. So if, if I had the red, my red was my lowest score. It was sitting on one. Everybody else was sitting four, five. Uh, I didn't have a handful of red and I couldn't see how to get increase my level of red. Pretty much am I locked into losing the game? Not at all. No, no. no. The one that the, the tricks in the game as well is that when you do very well in the colour, you actually get another turn. And a lot yep. of times that people can actually do that. We can actually do it in our particular game. Is that you? So, so you may have one really low colour. Probably means you've got high scores in the other colours because mm. you're always getting points regardless. Yeah. So you can pump one of your high colours over the, the the bonus round and use that to either pick up the tile you need or to gain a bit of scores and a bit of colour in the score and the colour you need. Yeah. And then get another turn to basically improve it. So you certainly can pull yourself out of a hole. So is that quite turn rapidly. is that other turn for all the other players or just for you? Just for you. So yeah. if you if you score a bonus going over the, the bracket. So in this game I'll, I'll mention to how the readers how it works. There's three brackets which scale for number of players. So there's a one for five and six players, one for three and four and one for two player. And they represent a bonus turn. They, they have different score levels to get to them. Yeah. So in two players, it's higher. In five and six, it's quite low because the scores are generally lower. If you get over it, you get another turn immediately um, within your scoring tokens. So you can actually chain them as well. And that's something that people often do. Like when, when they get one low number, they usually have something high and they can pump that over yeah. and to, to pull themselves out of the hole. If they plan for it. But generally, you have to evaluate your potential every turn. And that's the best way to kind of play the game mm-hmm. is just look at and go, I'm low and red or I'm going to be low and red. 
what I need to do this turn, what I need to do next turn, what I need to pick up so next turn I can pull myself out of it. Yeah. Mm. When you when you play the game yourself, obviously uh, you play it quite a bit. Had yeah, a bit of yeah, practice. I'd, 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 say I, I'd say I played <laughs> it. Yeah. Do you have a, a lot? Have you have you picked up a particularly favourite strategy that you like to go for? There the actually is a power move in the game, which I really like to use, but use very rarely. Um, yeah. It's actually a move no one even knows about half the time, and people, when I, when I, yeah. I mention that, kind of blows their mind. <laughs> Expert <laughs> tips, pro tips. Pro tips. Pro tips. <laughs> um, so I, I suppose I can mention that here. The, the two tiles, um, or the two segments on the tile you place, if they're the same colour, a chain can actually go through both sides of that chain and score twice. And most people actually don't realise that. But if you did a figure eight and you put down oh, the, yeah. the bit in the middle of a double colour through that figure eight, it was both sides score the length of chain. Yeah. So in that case, uh, in the middle of figure eight, both sides will score eight points in that colour. So you actually get 16 points. Wow. And you lock it, you get 18 points in a single move. And that's wow. what I classify as a power move. And most people don't yeah. know that. It's funny. Yeah. And I've actually deliberately put it in the rules as well. So you mentioned it, yeah. It's actually in the rules as one example. Yeah. Um, I can't wow. remember which example it is, but if you actually look at the rules, you actually see me specifically state it. You put this green, double green down, you get 10 points, I think, what I got in the rules. But yeah, when I tell people, they're like, Whoa, wow, I didn't know you could do that. Seven Land Hand exclusive pro tip <laughs> straight, <laughs> from, straight from the designer's mouth. Yeah. And there's the interesting thing as well is that there's a finite amount of the, the plus two scoring chits as well, because mm. I found that. Right at the end, I needed a particular color. I think it was red. And so I thought, right, how I'm going to score bigger on this is if I can lock something off and I'll get the extra chip. Look down, there's none left. None left, yeah. So I thought, that's it. I'm kind of, and that kind of ended my chance of winning. Uh, that sort of locked me out. I and mean, I didn't have any, any others as well. So, I mean, there's, there's so many choices like that, isn't there, in the there design is. of it as Definitely. well. Just like, uh, you know, how many uh, of those that you include, how many. Are there there an equal number of chits with, you know, designs, you know, like double greens, yeah, green, white, yellow, red, blue? Are they all just an even amount? No, the the, the doubles are, I think there's four of each colour double and nine of of all the other combinations. So I try to make the same number of segments for all the colours. So double pretty much counted as as towards its its own colour. So, no, they, they do vary. Did um, that start as just a, like, I'm just going to, we'll start with this, see how we go? Or did it did you, like, try to put some sort of formula to it? Oh, no, it definitely went to modelling. I mean, I had to basically look at, because the, the risk was that people would lock it before the game finished. If the board is completely repaired, yeah. suddenly I can't have a turn. If yeah. I can't have a turn... You've got no chance the, the to get back into it. Well, yeah. it's just not interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's, it boils down to, I can't do anything, so and I'm not And it moves fast as well, right? It the does. game is like, it's boom, yeah. boom, boom, rounds it is go really quite really quick. quick. I've said on the board, uh, on the box, half an hour, but really 20 minutes you can knock out a game. Once you know um, how to play it, you th- you're flying through it, Absolutely, yeah. and even learning is not particularly hard. Mm. I mean, the, the well, that run-through only took us maybe 15, 20 minutes... Yeah, I think so we can remember that out very quick, actually. Yeah. That's because we're expert board game players. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All their training. <laughs> I want to say as well, it's like one of those... Um, of late, I've been looking at games with the mind of, can I play it with my kids? We mentioned that. It seems like it's, it'll be very approachable for kids. But it's also that... Um, like next next month's game is Mysterium, which you know we, we, play, we actually all played the other day. And... Um, a facet of that, let's not go into that game, that's coming. Um, <laughs> the facet of that is that you can sit down after, a, like you can just have, like the wife can invite people over or your partner for dinner and then you go, hey, let's break out a board game. You can't mm. hit them over the head with something really intense that you really enjoy. Yeah, true. <laughs> but it's, get them off. it's very approachable as far as 
mm. you can jump straight into it, but it's not something that's going to be over really quickly like Love Letter or something, which is a cool game. Yeah. But you yeah. want you want to let's play this for half an hour or something like yeah. that. You know, you can you and this game would fit into that because yeah, there's different levels of strategy, but you can uh, play it really kids loose and win. easy. Definitely, the kids kids who surprisingly yeah. well the number of times I've seen like quite young kids like five year olds, six year olds do really well. And it's always actually surprised me. But it's not like, going to freak out your non gaming friend's wife who comes along for dinner and just yeah. goes, we're doing what now? We're, we're going to play a game. Oh, I'm frightened of these gamer yeah. games and that sort of and, stuff. And short helps that as well, definitely. Like if you pull out a two-hour game and they're not enjoying themselves, you're in trouble. But if you pull, <laughs> yeah. out, if you pull out a 20-minute game, I mean, not everyone's going to enjoy every game at all, regardless. But you know, no, people but I think, go, oh, I get it. You know, that's cool. Or, or they go, wow, that was really fun and my kids really enjoy it, you know. Yeah. Well, there's just that intuitive thing about it. It's just like it feels mm. It feels really, I can't quite get the word for it, but like, you know, there's something that you relate to. You know, it's like the sim- basic mm. primary colors. Well, matching colors. Just matching I mean, colors. Yeah. yeah it's like, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, right. The um, one thing that was really interesting to me was your Mensa endorsement. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Well, it was actually an idea from a guy that eats that tested my game way back, um, Sol Green. He pretty much um, told me one day, oh, have you considered talking to Menza? And at the time, I, I hadn't really, I mean, I, I've never, I didn't know where you'd even start with that. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I suppose. I mean, it is certainly that level of game where it's got all that depth of mm. logic and skill and yet it's, it's, you know, like a family-style game. So, you know, I, I, I think I emailed Menza Australia and said, look, you know, yeah. I've got a product. Um, I, I'd be interested in showing it to you or to see if you're interested in, um, in re- taking on board or, or whatever. They, they immediately responded in hexadecimal code. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can figure that out, you're in. Yeah, yeah well, they, they did respond um, and they said, well, you might as well show it to us. You know, might get someone to, to play it. Do you want to send it over to us? And I said, okay, where are you guys? And they actually said, Wilson which is a suburb about <laughs> really close four, four for me. And yeah. I went, okay, I didn't expect that, so yeah. do you want me to come around? And so we did. So I went down to the chair of Menza, yeah. lived you know, in and the was... same state and played with her, <laughs> and, and she went, I like it. So that she then, then took it to other Menza members, yeah. um, played it with them, and then they kind of went, yeah, we like it too. So then she had to go and talk to the other owners of the Menza Name. I can only imagine it's just like a hall full of, of the comic store guy from The Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, or, or, and lots of little Lisa Simpsons, I remember correctly. Yeah. The, so, sorry, I interrupted the story. So, they, so then they just, yeah, so, so they had several, three or four different la- levels to go. And yeah, then all so happy then, then they came back and said, look, everyone, everyone's agreed and happy to accept it, so we're willing to um, endorse it. And all so right. they pretty much have to say it's worth putting their symbol on. That's, that's yeah. their, yeah. got And that's a it. worldwide gonna, thing then, though, isn't it? Is it is a worldwide like, thing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's another level beyond that, which is Mensa Select. Which is something else, and I'm, I'm looking up. I've pulled up a, a list of challenges winners. down before. Where it's gone, see if you can get Mensa Select. <laughs> I've pulled now. up a list. <laughs> see, Mensa Select's a different, different kettle of fish, and that that wouldn't uh-huh. have been yeah. um, acceptable at times. So Mensa Select is purely American-based yeah. Mensa, so it's, it's not for the worldwide. It has to be done in Mensa. You have to be put into a competition um, for Mensa Select, and they, I think, accept. Oh, I think it's like four games a year or something out of like a, a pool of like, well, I think it might have been. So they have games. five. Yeah. And oh, then five, five, okay. there are five oh, nominees. Okay. If you so, like. I'm actually looking yeah, at yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm looking for the last few years and I see games that pop up here like Forbidden Desert and Forbidden Island, Dominion, um, Hive. Now, I look at this, I look at Cogs and I look at a game like Hive and which, which is a um, strategy. It's like... 
Have you played it? Absolutely, yeah, I love yeah. it. <laughs> so, how did you see it fit? Would you see it has a place amongst those sort of games because the the, the level of design, the thought, the strategy, the the the, the challenging aspect. Um, you know, you, it improves IQ, it improves um, memory, um, all hmm. that sort of thing. So, do you see it has a place in those sort of games? Do you, do you find a- absolutely. yourself? Absolutely. Yeah? I mean, I think Menza still supports things that. I mean, one of their ones that I was told when I was actually talking to Kimberly about the endorsement in Australia, she goes, oh, yeah, we've recently endorsed um, Ciro and yeah. Amazing Meeples. Oh, I don't think I've got that name quite right. Ciro, to me, is not a deep strategy game at all. It's very, very light. Like, something that I was actually quite surprised when they said that. Um, I mean, I think it's a cool game, but certainly not something that you, you would spend brain power, yeah. like, going through We were talking about this, and, I, and I, mm. I made the comment that it doesn't have the level of depth of strategy that Cogs mm. does because I could play that with young, very young children. Absolutely. And that's how I would introduce them to the, to the uh, I guess, to the genre of abstract board games. It's yeah, very much I think so, yeah. very much a um, gateway game for that sort of thing. So, so, so I suppose Menza just decides what, what they want to support based on, mm. on how they do it. But Men's Select does require you to be selling in retail stores in US before you yeah. even go into it. And at the time, of course, I'm new, so I'm not selling retail yeah, right. stores. So mm. Men's Select wasn't even an option for me at the time. Um, so the men's endorsement kind of came up just through Australia pretty much and they had to take it to the others and say, look, we've got this, we're willing to endorse it. Would you let us pretty much do it? Would you agree that it's acceptable? Yeah. So how many cool mini or not games have men's are select uh, or um, men's are endorsed on there? Hey? Quick, quick check here <laughs> on the computer. says so zero. <laughs> ah, anyway, uh, well, guys, go. why don't we save talk about expansions <laughs> and ludicrous for like a uh, post quiz? Sure. Uh, there's some other stuff we want to talk about. Where's just like, you know, general uh, getting the game together so if you're a general gamer out there with a few ideas about throwing a game game together um we'll have a chat to us about that but in the meantime uh, let's do a matt's quiz ready for matt's quiz yeah you, yeah yeah i mean don't yes. say it with such enthusiasm david yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wes, as, as a newly initiated person into the world of the quiz mm-hmm. you'll enjoy it i'm sure this is the he's, heard of, he's heard of quizzes before Really? I'll I've, speak I've on his behalf. I've heard your guys' quizzes before. Yeah, he's, he's been involved. Oh, yeah. This is the Don't Stick Your Trans Electro Conducer in My Defibrillatic Discourse Regulator quiz. Ooh. I'm out. <laughs> uh, it's a steam-powered steampunk quiz loosely themed around mad scientists and the even madder world they live in. That ties like into the, the game of today, which is COGS. And it also ties into the, uh, which we haven't talked about, yeah. the character, the persona that you've created for the Cogs. <laughs> Maybe we'll get into that later. Question one. Go. So you write down the answer, oh. Wes, and I'm going to come back to the end. There we go. So question one. Which steampunk... St- I don't pump. think I know steampunk anything. <laughs> I, I don't believe. Oh, I hope Bet you do. You do. <laughs> this first question hinges on it. Yeah. Which steampunk-themed RPG had players sally forth for queen and country over the surface of Mars. Name any steampunk <laughs> RPG that you know. Um, which steampunk-themed RPG had players sally forth for queen and country over the surface of Mars or Venus or any other planet out there? What's question two, Matt? <laughs> you, you lost me. No. Totally lost me. I'm, I'm feeling dumb not knowing that. This <laughs> steampunk, RPG steampunk-themed RPGs. Yeah. There'll be lots of... Tess will know. Tess will know. Question two. <laughs> Tess, can you ring me now? Please, somehow, just feel the vibe. Feel the force. Friend. Call in. All right, this is what you're talking about, the, the fail-safe question. True or false? Yes. Steampunk true. is most commonly associated with the Elizabethan era. 
True or false, steampunk is most commonly associated with the Elizabethan era. Okay. All right. Question two. Question three. Dr. Grodbort's infallible ether oscillators, a series of steampunk-themed weapons, are made by Wepper Workshops, Wetter Workshops, Wesser Workshops, or Meta Workshops. Oh, I've seen these. All right. We've, we've... Uh, that name just sounds amazing. <laughs> I, I love it already. No, I don't Do- know them, so... Dr. Grodbort was... Um, he's this uh, fictional character, um, steampunk. And he travels the universe fighting aliens and that sort of thing. I anyway, think, I think other Justin, a who was on a RP, the RPG podcast, uh, he actually owns some of this gear. Yeah. 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 Right. Yep. yeah. So Dr. Grobort's infallible ether oscillators, a series of steampunk-themed weapons, are made by Wepper Workshops, Weta Workshops, Wesser Workshops, or Meta Workshops. Uh, I right. could say that they're all, all products. There's one uh, answer. Or one, one answer, damn. One out I was of going the four. four answers. There's oh. one out of the four. Yeah. <laughs> all, all products should only be one product, but the, every time they release it, it always seems to come out in threes. But anyway, more on that later. Anyway, more on that later. Question four. The movie The Time Machine, first made in the 1960s, then again with Guy Pearce in the early 2000s, was based on the writings of which author? Yeah. All right, see, this is, this is the token for now you, Now we're David. talking. I'm, I'm guessing it's a token for him. The movie <laughs> The Time Machine, for, he, he pouts if he doesn't get one. Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie The Time Machine, first made in the 1960s, then again with Guy Pearce in the early 2000s, was based on the writings of which author? Bonus point if you can get what year. Oh, okay. Bonus point. point if you can get what year. <laughs> Okay, question five. This is Crazy as a Cuckoo Nut, which has three parts. It's a three-point question Yeah. Uh, based on movie tropes, basically. I give you the... In this case, I'm giving you a bit of a plot to the movie. Yeah. And you've got to guess the movie. Okay. Right, so the first one, so there's three. Yeah. A scientist strives to succeed with the ultimate experiment, bringing a human life in a... Lo- oh. Bringing a human to life in a laboratory. I know it, but I can't even name it. So a scientist strives to succeed with the ultimate experiment, bringing a human to life in a laboratory. What is the movie? There could be multiple answers, of course, but yeah, I've only written one. Okay, so what? So well, think of the most question oh, five, know, most part relevant. A. What is Matt thinking? <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. what this one's all about. Yeah, <laughs> I've written boobs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Two, number, uh, well, eight, B. A loony scientist turns a car into a time machine. Mm. What is the movie? A loony scientist turns a car into a time machine. Yeah, all right. Good, we've all scored one. <laughs> <laughs> and C, a deranged doctor experiments with turning animals into hybrid human beings. A deranged doctor experiments with turning hu- animals into oh. hybrid human beings. What is oh, the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nod, but trying to think of the name of it. <laughs> I'm not going to write it. We'll this. see how you go. If you're close enough, you might get the point. <laughs> All right, let's do it. All right. Let's get back to question one because that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> My answer is somewhat okay. lacking for question, question one. That one. sent a bolt of panic through us, didn't it? It's like, <laughs> this is it. Oh, all right. Not, yeah. You're thinking, not again, Matt. Yeah, for not Christ's again. sake. All right. Oh. Which steampunk themed RPG has players sally forth for Queen and Country over the surface of Mars? David. <laughs> nothing. What'd you write? I've got absolutely nothing. Nothing, nothing at all. I've drawn a symbol that looks like the London Underground symbol. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. 
Wes? He had a symbol. <laughs> what have you got? I, I didn't get as far as a symbol. It was the backup doodle that just dropped into the space. Where you know what? Oh. I might not reveal the answer to that one. Maybe oh. somebody can post it oh, in the, the comments. Pain. Post it in the comments. If you know the answer, put make, it in the comments. Make us look bad. Yeah, yeah make, make these bad. guys look bad. All right. It was, I'm going to give you a little bit more information. No, that's all right. I don't know any steampunk RPGs. It was created by Frank Chadwick. Brilliant. Frank. Published by GDW. Come back next week. Interview with Frank. In 1988. Uh, Listener, it's down to you. He also created Twilight 2000, On Guard, and Traveller with Mark Miller. All right, good stuff, man. I've given all the clues to everyone else. Yeah. Drop my pen, sorry. Question two. True or false, steampunk is most commonly associated with the Elizabethan era. True or false, Wes? True. I put false. It's the Victorian era. The answer is false. It is Victorian era. It's most notably associated with the Victorian era prior to 1900. Question three. Dr. Grodbort's infallible ether oscillators, a series of steampunk-themed weapons, are made by Wepper Workshops, Weta Workshops, Wesser Workshops, Meta Workshops. David? Uh, Weta Workshop, who did all the uh, special effects for Lord of the Rings and Hobbit and all that sort of stuff. I guess Weta as well, because it sounds like they're quite complex, so I'm guessing they're probably very well done. You're both correct. Yay. It was Weta Workshops, which of course was uh, Peter Jackson's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're quite serious. SFX stuff, design. These must have been amazing props. They they, they really were. It's, it's yeah. a shame yeah, they're really good. In the movie. <laughs> and the big weighty chunks of resin, aren't they? They are, yeah. yeah. I think I saw them um I saw them one once live <laughs> yeah. in uh black plastic in uh, Leaderville. And they had it above the uh, counter there. It looked really, really well, awesome. Justin from RPG Games brought it to an RPG game that we were playing once. Did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a, How did I miss that? Oh, I don't know. Right, Maybe we didn't let you touch attention. it because we'd know you'd break it. <laughs> Question four. The movie The Time Machine, first made in the 1960s, then again with Guy Pearce in the early 2000s, was based on the writings of which author? Uh, who's up? It's Oh, it's Wes. Wes? I said Lovecraft. It's like to him. Okay. <laughs> David? H.G. Uh, Wells. Yeah. And was, I've gone for... I don't think it's earlier than this, but... It I've was H.G. Wells, H.G. so you got a point. Sense, yeah. yeah. I've gone for 1924, but I think it could be a lot earlier than that, like 1908. Try 1895. 1895, yeah, a lot earlier. So, yeah. Boy, <laughs> they knew how to put words on a page in the 19th century, didn't they? Well, he wrote a whole slew of novels about set around the same time. Mm. Look what we did in 2015. Just reference the beginning of this podcast, for instance. Exactly right. All of those words were on paper. <laughs> Tony HG was here to write it for us. Anyway, sorry. Question five? Yeah. All right. So there are three movie titles I'm looking for. A scientist strives to succeed with the ultimate experiment, bringing a human to life in a laboratory. David? Well, Frankenstein? Where's? Mad science. Frankenstein has it. Really? It was Frankenstein. But it was yeah. bits of people that he was bringing back together, wasn't it? <laughs> was he was still trying to bring life. Wasn't Mad Scientist getting the, the girl alive? Weird if, if science. I remember, weird science. Weird Is that science. what I'm Weird science. Where did she come from? She Kelly, came Kelly from LeBron. a computer. Kelly LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> or came from a, a computer program simulation. Was she? I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I don't necessarily... Well, well, that was based on the Frankenstein story, I guess. Loosely? Let's say. Mm. Yeah, anyway. Everybody gets a yeah, point. everybody can have... No, you can't. Frankenstein's okay. the answer. That's the one I wrote down. Frankenstein, uh, yeah. yeah B. Cool. A loony scientist turns a car into a time machine. Where's... Back to the future. Back to the future. Back to the future. Yep. And the last one, a deranged doctor experiments. Watch. Oh, I forgot what it's called now. Back in time, back in time. It was a the, great the, that documentary. The doctor, that I was back in about. time. Yeah. Is it back in time? It's yeah. on Netflix. So good. Yeah. so good. Yeah, Netflix docker. Good one. A deranged doctor experiments with turning animals into hybrid human beings. Was of course David. 
Dr. Moreau's Island. Wes? Island of Dr. Moreau. Island, <laughs> Island of... Oh, he's more correct. Yeah. It's the Island of, isn't it? The Island, Island of, of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I haven't had much to do with that, except there's a really bad movie, isn't there, where... Um, oh, what's his I name? The uh, Godfather guy. Brando. Yeah, yeah, he screwed and it all up by having a bit of a meltdown on set and refusing to do stuff. There's and a documentary about South, that too, which apparently yeah, yeah. is very good. That's yeah. right. I've got to catch up with that. Do you know what it's called? No. <laughs> Here he is. Something about, the, I don't questions. know. I was, was going to say Hearts of Darkness, but that was that was the title of another movie. Good quiz, Matt. Except right. for number one. I, I actually forgot to keep score, so I don't know who won. Yeah, it, was it a draw. wasn't me. <laughs> Entertainment was the winner. Uh, our listeners are the winners. So they can be the judge of that. All right, we'll be back. Oh, with don't more. forget to get back with the first one. So if you know the yeah. answer, put it in the comments. Which steampunk-themed RPG was about people going to, fighting over for Queen and Country over Mars. And if you just feel like complaining that was way too hard, please, please feel free to comment. <laughs> Wes and I would appreciate it. We feel quite so dumb. You're not getting let off the hook. All, All right, right. Well, we're going to learn how to design and publish a game right after this. Expansions, yeah, why not? What's the, uh, I mean, you, you, you rolled your eyes a few times and said there's various plans and you mentioned a few while we were playing. What's going on with expansions? What's rattling around in your head for COGS expansions? There's a couple that I've got planned for Cogs. That you I, haven't, can I haven't, I haven't specified exactly where where I'll be going with it. But one's going to be a whole set of playable scientists. Branch, you, you kind of whether you draft them out, whether you select them. I haven't gone through the mechanics in my head, but I basically yeah. want the idea is that you take out scientists and they have particular things that affect how you play the game. Yeah. Okay. So they'll vary what you can do, what powers you have. Each one might have particular skills. And the other game is just making the, the contraption more elaborate, which has actually going to layer up things on it. Um, yeah. Depending on how I... I've got some plans to lock down the board and actually put some actual cogs that interlocked and actually well, rotate you, you, on top of the board Your scorecards well. had that little jigsaw piece and you said that could be where like a character could yes. lock yep. into. Yes, so that's yeah. where the characters so cool. can be locked into those particular points. A lot of people have said, what are these for? And I've got plans yeah. to use them um, down the track. Well, they just look so... Uh, obviously inviting to, to mm. for expansion that you've yep, got to think yep. that okay what else can go on here and I like the idea of uh, mad scientists as characters yeah. so if you were to go back if you were to take this back the Kickstarter route again would that be something you consider for a, a tier level get your likeness as a character as one of the mad scientists that sort of thing um, yeah probably would I, I think I'd put them too high um, in, the, in the first Kickstarter so that's probably something I'd refine oh just the, the, the tier brackets yeah because yeah, yeah. I, I did actually say there could be two scientists and, and one professor in, in the original game which become characters because also the point was they're going to come characters in all three expansions yeah. which is probably something I didn't stress enough so you actually buy into pretty much the entire series of it yeah. as well but pretty much only, the only one that actually got was my dad who basically wanted to support me and put a whole lot <laughs> of money down to the professors who actually became the professor in the game. So if you actually look at the box, that is actually my dad um, on, on the cover. Um, dressing his actually academic gown because he is actually a professor, <laughs> funnily enough. Um, though I did, did bling him up with various things around the house yeah. um, to, to crank it up. Uh, who does the art design? Who, who does the what? Who sorry? did the art design? Who, oh, that was all me. That um, was all you. Yeah, so I, I, I'm a graphic designer by background. Yep. Um, so I'd yeah, that's well, that's what's what one of the questions I had here was just the general box design. I mean, you think if you know if people at home think about right, I've got this game idea, and it's like the box design seems like a million miles away. But as with the design background, the presentation of everything, mm. I mean, the like we mentioned, the components are great. Um, what sort of things did you consider in the in the boxing of this thing that you know the the layman might not? necessarily oh. consider oh, the, the, the biggest one is weight for shipping shipping is the most horrendous thing yeah. you can probably ever do when you're, when you're shipping that individually obviously yeah. going through the 
the sea freight to a warehouse to distribute, that's fine. If you're going to a big distributor, you really the sea freight is quite cheap. As soon as you have to airship, um, like this game ended yeah. up being about a kill on weight, and I was predicting it to be about 600 grams. Yeah. So that was a massive thing that I started up because they come with all the, the, the cardboard cuts you punch out. Yeah. So, of course, there's probably half the box when you open it, which people are seeing when they open theirs at home, is it's a solid cardboard. So it's pretty much a half a slab of wood in, yeah. inside the box. Yeah. And I didn't take into account enough of that. So when I kind of went, oh, 600 grams, it came over about a kilo. Um, my shipping was like 20 to $30 for some European countries around the world. Did and you consider- game for like 40 to $50, <laughs> that's a massive slug. Yeah. And you still got to manufacture it yourself. Um, in the Did you consider part. popping all the chits out yourself so you wouldn't have the... Um- <laughs> no, well, not, not me, no, but you, yeah. the manufacturers can do that. You can actually do a... Um, oh, okay. A, the actual, there's a proper term for it, like pop and bag or something. Where PPC, actually, pre-pop shit, that's what I call it. <laughs> yeah. So you can actually pay them to do that, and they yeah. will actually take a punch all out. And I think probably if I'd calculated in hindsight, the probably would have actually been cheaper. Yeah. Because it would have dropped the weight by several hundred grams. Yeah, um, yeah. That's all things you, you live and learn. But still, the way the box is nice, people pick it up and go, wow, this thing's you know got a lot of heft to it. Yeah, I know. You kind of do that, don't you? You pick up mm. a box and go, eh, is this worth my money? You know, yeah, you do I get it. You do it. So yeah. it's, I suppose it's traded off a bit. Like, you know, I think that yeah. all helps sales around you know, the various retail stores. Mm. Yeah. I've looked at you know, other games when I've looked at expansions in particular. You look at the cost of it. You look at the size of the box. Then you look at the contents inside mm. and you go, what? what the hell am I paying for? And, and the answer is all the packaging inside and mm. all the, the extra cardboard and the weight yep, to get it shipped. So, I mean, I suppose the content list doesn't show that this, the true cost of all these things. Like you have mm. a massive content list, but if you made all that light materials, you can put it in a yeah. huge box and have it ridiculous number of bits. And yeah, it costs the same as like a small box that's just jam-packed with heavy Because the components. bag, which you mentioned, you know, the guy in the German pub carried the whole game in. Uh, mm, yeah. That, that bag, is that, how many, you know, you'd know, is that, a, that's not a heavy item, is it? Not at all. And that the, looks the like The bag real... is very light and, and admittedly doesn't weigh much. When you when you make things with thousands of units, yeah. um, manufacturers can produce them for very small amounts of money. Yeah. And I can't remember that the cost of the bag in there, but wasn't very much at all. And that's a cool thing and it's kind of unique mm. and it's got the logo on it and yep. the drawstring and all that sort of stuff. Yep. It's not like a... Like what is it in like Dice Masters or something like that when that came out? Oh, it the paper comes with a really paper bag, cruddy paper bag, right? Destroyed after the first few uses. Mm. Uses. Um, no, you, you've done. You've actually stepped it up by including a, a proper cloth drawstring bag that that's durable, mm. lightweight, yeah. aesthetically pleasing, and is going to is going to be with the game for the duration for for the yeah. life of its, yeah. of its parts. And, and I built yeah. the bag as well. I, well. I shouldn't say built the bag, but I designed the bag to actually fit the entirety of the game contents in as well. Yeah. So perhaps you can pack up the entirety of the game inside the bag and carry it with you. Well, you know our, beach, our beach uh, show that we did oh, yeah. a few, you know, the, several episodes ago now. <laughs> I don't know if it was officially called that, but that's what we called it. Yeah. The, the Beach House Show. The Beach, yeah, the yeah. beach House mm-hmm. Game Show. So yeah. we were talking about those small games which you can take with you to play on for a, a beach side weekend or a rainy mm. weekend. And Cogs, with that bag, definitely is one of those. I'd, yeah, yeah, sure. I'd certainly take it because mm. it takes up no space when it's put in the bag. Were, yeah. Yeah. Wes, were you a little bit unhappy when you came up with the Cogs logo that the Z couldn't really work <laughs> and you not, just had to stretch it a little not, bit not as much i mean the Z's, I, I 
Well, what he's referring to for the, the, the I, listeners I can imagine is, you drawing it. You're going, see, yes, oh, oh my God, this is working. Gee, that's, this is money. Oh, uh, no, the Z. like a number two. I, is that I made what happened? all the letters look like the cog component, but of course the Z has all straight lines. So I curled, I curled the top and the bottom. I didn't mind it, but yeah, <laughs> some people still think it's an S as well, just because of the fact it's curly. And you know, the fact it's obviously not. And we know that the S has mm. disappeared from your vocabulary. Absolutely. Uh, a long time I'm ago. Z- I'm z- all the way. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, so uh, maybe um, stepping way back to the beginning, you've got the idea, you start to play it on the table. The, you do, I know you've seen you doing a lot of playtesting in a game that we might talk about in a minute, but you playtested this one a lot? Playtested heaps. Yeah. I mean, it went through, oh, I'd probably say, years worth of playtesting. Um, yeah. It, from, it's been three years from when I started the original plan through to the Kickstarter. And that time, I mean, one year was pretty much downtime, so two years pretty much downtime was actually actively developing it yeah but yeah it got heavily playtested all around the play conventions um all around australia you know various groups any gaming clubs i'd take it to and just play test it and yeah it got did you have any big like you know uh hairpin turns in that you know as it came together you were like yeah of course and or you know i mean, I mean you would have learned lots of little bits i'd imagine but absolutely yeah. um, and there was some big ones i mean the biggest yeah. one was the actual getting the heavy steampunk theme yeah. When I first created it, I wanted it to be an abstract, and I talked to Dan May from GameSalute over in PAX yeah. last year. Well, the, the, the previous PAX, not the one just gone, the one before that. Yeah. And he was going, look, I'd, I'd recommend you get something a bit more strong in it. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm trying to think if I did have a bit of cogs back then. Oh, I see this go straight from memory because it's evolved so much. I think I might have I started hinting at the fact that it was steampunk, and he thought it should be a lot heavier. Yeah. So that was one of the point where I went away and just basically... Just so went, he was, okay, saying, he was um, saying a theme is something people can key in with rather than just an abstract thing. Yeah, it's, it's something yeah. that people can do, still take away from it. And so I went back yeah. on branch, sat down and went, okay, I'm going to hammer out a steampunk theme. And I, I basically embedded it in, in entirety of the game plays. It's got a contraption that branch shows you, the game gadget shows you how the turns resolve. And it's actually got two gears that rotate, which is a yeah. one of the bit that cool, everyone, yeah. everyone loves this thing when, when they actually yeah. see it. Um, and all the bits and the design of it, um, and then the storyline behind it a bit as well, I, I bring yeah. into it as well. So, you know, it's the scientist fixing a, a machine is very steampunk. Um, yeah. Or, or brass and gears. Uh, I've, brass and gears. I've seen, um, now now that I've seen the ludicrous version of this, which in, mm. at... Um, yeah, well, tell us about that, because massive, you can't just uh, it's hard to, past that. Um, it's hard to explain the ludicrous version. So, Prince, Ludicrous is also an idea that was, was raised by Sol Green. As well, he said, he thought about making a, like a life-size version of it. And really, I actually did a life-size version of my first, well, one of my first board games ever, which I took to a convention back here in Perth, um, which was basically outlines of a, of a game called Imminent Doom. Um, and so I'd already considered it, and I thought, yeah, why not? I'll have a go. And I knew some people that worked at Expo Print Places, so I went to them and said, look, how big can we do this? Um, and so I looked at some of their substrates, which is what you can print on, they had this reboard sheets which is probably about three meters long by 1.8 meters tall and it used about five of those um to make ludicrous um as an example one tile of ludicrous is bigger than the entirety of the six player game of the regular size version you actually play a six player game on one tile of ludicrous it ends up being probably about four meters by four meters wide it's it's bigger than room we're actually doing this recording you know there's not a lot of games that you could do that with i mean like you know you see the Mm. giant chess um Boards. Yeah, it's kind of like that, flat. isn't it? it Ludicrous is, version yeah. is the cogs. 
yeah. equivalent. And, and you stand on a French and you walk over it and pick up tiles and you swap them and it has a giant game gadget. It has giant everything, like all yeah. the tokens are and massive a, as well. What I noticed and a creepy is, guy wearing a lab coat. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, 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 yeah, yeah, let's talk about it. So you share the, uh, you actually, when, when you were demoing it at um, Games Fest, you actually had somebody else wearing yes. a coat as well. So you had a, a, what, an, a, an apprentice. Yeah, well, that, that's Michael Alal, is another nickname. He helps me quite a bit. He's a big playtester. He's one of my, my rule advisors as well. He's an engineer by background, so he's very good on, on the nitty-gritty rules. And, yeah, he helps me like, show mm. it off and stuff. And I noticed how vivid this looked, even in the ludicrous form and from the, the board game version that we've got in front of us. And I, it was every bit as... Uh, as bright and engaging as the actual board game, the big, mm. ver- the ludicrous version. Yep. Um, you know, they did a great job with the printing. The colours were rich. The, the, yeah, the detail so. was phenomenal for something that was made that large. And uh, what I saw was people were just enjoying the game and, and enjoying being able to walk around this board mm. and carry the pieces around with them. And, you know. Everyone's scared about walking on it, but there's stuff like you can take the weight of a car, which you have to tell everyone. So they, like, even the, the like people that that are quite large will always kind of look at this, going, "Oh, you know, you it. might be able to walk on it, but I certainly can't walk on it." It's like, no, it can carry the weight of the car, and then they kind of go, "Oh," and then of course they walk on it fine. Like, you yeah, know, it's, it's it. A lot of people have that whole like, "I'm going to damage it." I mean, admittedly, it, it has been quite heavily damaged now, but because it's so large, you just don't see. You know, the, the damage is yeah. spread across a large tile. So yeah, if if I did the damage to a little tile, it would look completely destroyed, but. On a large time, Such a great promotional tell. tool, though, isn't it? I mean, mm. it sticks out. I mean, you, you, I mean, that's. I was going to ask about how important do you think promotion has been in raising the profile of this game? Because you do a lot of cons, you get around yep. the place a yep. lot. Is is that a large part of your you know your budget as to getting yourself out there? Oh, I, I think budgets are, 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 are a bit of you a stretch. Since, since no, no, I have yeah. I have practically zero income from this, so it's yeah. Budget yeah. doesn't get, get picked and chosen, but absolutely, marketing is what it's all about. I mean, yeah, yeah. the Kickstarter proved that because the the number of Australians on Kickstarter is about three percent. I had about fifty percent Australians, oh, really? which means yeah. clearly it's people that know me or have played the game or have known people that have played the game. Yeah. The words got out through that, so that's a very clear indication of the fact is it's people that have yeah. been exposed to me on the game, and that's how Kickstarter generally works. Yeah. I think well. you pretty much joined the Kickstarter. Your Kickstarter started not long after Australians were uh, Australia was actually introduced, introduced to, yeah. to Kickstarter. That so, is true. So that that could have you know could have played a large part of it. But there wasn't just that Australian support there at that time until all of a sudden we're finding that there's Australian content. You know? yeah, yes and no, because I initially was going to launch on the Australian one, and a couple of people said, "Oh, you don't want to do it. You want to launch on the American one." Um, and I was like, well, why do you think that is? And they go, well, the Americans generally don't support things that aren't in American dollars. Yeah. I was like, well, that sounds pretty fickle. And I went, okay, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought that would be a big issue. But I went to forums. I went to a couple of big Kickstarter places. And I said, okay, what do you think? And the, pretty much all the Americans came out and said, yeah, yeah, we, we prefer stuff in American dollars. And everyone else in the world went, we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's pretty much only the Americans really do like things in American dollars. And yeah. so I kind of went, okay, um, I've got a friend that, that lives in America that basically I started... He became a manager of uh, American subsidiary. So I started up, I, I launched a company in America to basically take the Kickstarter on. Yeah. Um, and that's how it actually went. It's still, I still want to put it, so it's, it's an American Kickstarter at, based at Perth, WA. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of odd. So maybe the, the benefit of being American to the American audience may have been lost by that. Yeah. But the Americans seem to struggle with like just Googling 
um, translations or uh, conversions. <laughs> sorry, it seems to be funny, but now they do it for them. Uh, Kickstarter has evolved again. That's right. Yeah. And now Americans and Americans only see the dollar value in American dollars con- <laughs> right. converted in brackets to sorry the dollar value in international dollars converted to American dollars in brackets yeah. for them and them only. Like we don't see a conversion no, in Australian no. dollars. It's no. only for the Americans, which is kind of funny. Um, but no, know, we've got to do all the extra work and then pay all the extra import. I was going to say, when it gets to shipping, it oh, yeah, starts yeah. talking about portions of your house that you have to pay yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Australians really get hammered on the shipping. We really well, you're do. still waiting, aren't you? So you've, you've paid, what, portion of shipping to get... To that's, get... that's actually making me smile because I'm thinking that uh, Cool Mini and I are going to have to pay extra to ship out two chunks to my house mm. from a long way away. Mm. So I might get good value for that shipping. <laughs> Wait, Shipping is not cheap. You've, sort of, yeah. you've sort of all, almost hinted. I don't think there's an answer to this now, but uh, I was thinking, you know, like with um, making an income from this game or making money from this game and other games, how long before you can go infinite and you're just like, the games are providing you with your lavish lifestyle? <laughs> I would not have a clue. You think it, do you think um, it, it seems I at guess this the stage core, impossible? Yeah, that's I, what I was going to say. say, I'd say the core of that seem... question is, is, do you think it's possible for to, to go from just guy on the street to, you know... Uh... I, I believe it's possible, but it's very, very tough. I mean, I think I'm in the fortunate situation where I can do it all myself, yeah. which means that I can do the graphics, I can do the design, I can do the game mechanics, I can do all that stuff myself, and I can But there's a threshold, isn't there, where myself. you're going to have to hand it over if you get to a certain size. So once you get games Correct. to a certain level... Yes. Um, so it, it's, it's still a learning process. I mean... At least for me, I can divide you know, all the all the income, which yeah, is, yeah. is very minimal, if if non-existent. I can I can pay myself all of that. So you know, I can take mm. all that run, have to split to an artist, to a designer, to a publisher. You know, I yeah. can I do it myself. But of course, that is mean I have to do all the work, and so suddenly I'm have to try show it to all the retailers, show it to all the distributors to try and get them to take it on. Where does going to a publisher would be like? Oh, we'll 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 do this all there for you. But of course, they then want the majority of the money, which sure. suddenly I'm. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm I'm torn between what to do, and at the moment I'm in discussions about publishing as well. Yeah, um, but then on a larger scale, and that's the only way, isn't it? It's just a, that smaller cut over infinite, well, not infinite, but a substantial more yeah. unit sold yeah. becomes worthwhile for yeah. you. But of course, when you get big, big name, I mean, you might if you get big enough. Of course, those large players might actually come to you rather than you have to go through a third party. Well, Eric, yeah. Eric yeah. M. Lang is a prime example of that. You know? I was just wondering, but every time mm. I see a picture of Eric M. Lang, he's not rocking a lot of bling or, you know, he doesn't have a sports car or anything like that. And his name's on every game. Yeah. Mm. Or, or Dr. Rainer Canicia, you know. Yep. He's another one. He just, I, I bet he's got a big rubber stamp now. They just go bang. <laughs> Rainer Knizia game, bang! Rainer Knizia game, yeah. but Wesley, your <laughs> but he still lectures is. and stuff like that. So you know, he's he's obviously he's a very prolific mm, designer. Absolutely. He's also got that background. He has that very academic background. Yep. Um, I, I don't know how much of the stuff he did himself. I, I mean, he, he does the design. Yeah. My understanding is he writes up the logic and hands it over to anyone yeah. to basically make the game out of. So and it, he gets paid royalties. I don't know what yeah. he would um, for that. Mm. So I, it's almost I, like there's two avenues for approaching board game design. That, that you can do it all yourself. You're, yep. Then you're putting you're, you're taking the risk. You're putting yourself out there, and then it's it's sold to your product. And then yep. there are the, the the designers who then come up with the concept, come up with the the mechanics, and then they pass it on to someone else. So which which side do you th- which way avenue I think is what I'm looking for? Would you recommend to people starting out? Oh, that's tricky. I, I'm 
Starting out is just tough regardless of whatever you do. When you're not known, you publishers are going to, not going to take you on. You, yeah. Doing the design thing like Rain and Izzy, going to someone with a, with a bit of paper with you know, your, your game design, you might have playtested endlessly and know it's awesome, but you hand it over to someone, that is going to look at you and going, we get these from Indonesia. Yeah. You know, what, why, why are we going to take yours when we get it from, like, you know, some of the, the or gurus? I think what's more common is probably, like, I'm finding this in the writing world, is that they get just trash that people have spent five minutes on and in yes. bulk. So they'd get yes. just thousands of, one of submissions. Yeah. And it's just like, why? how, how are you going to, you know, rate, rise above those and say, yep. look, I've, I've done a lot of... Because the other thing is submitting something as well is if you go in there going, I've done loads of work on this this is really worth your while and to be super confident they'll go i don't like it when people are too super confident about their stuff and they'll knock you back for those reasons so yeah it's such a hard thing isn't it to come out of the crowd and say look i'm i've actually taken this quite seriously yeah and and the other the other side of course is then doing all yourself which means yet again you're still unknown so the customer has to look at you and going They've got to wipe the product pretty much. Yeah. Obviously, they can't look at you going, oh, that guy, oh, he did that. That was awesome. I'll just buy this. They can't do that. So the parents have to go, is this game good? Does it look good? Is it produced well? Am I going to get my money's worth? Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's why I think Ludicrous Cogs is a genius because you see it from a distance. You see it across the con, don't you? You True. see people playing it and yep. you remember it uh, at yeah. least. And if you get a sniff of it anywhere from that moment on in the gaming world, you go... I've seen that. I, yeah. I know what that's about. Yeah. I, I certainly think it, it helps with exposure-wise, having that, that large version. Yeah. But certainly the cost of manufacturing and the cost of shipping it around the country, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I still wouldn't think has ever covered the cost of, of what it's got what from is, that. Because, yeah. yeah, people certainly remember it. Um, I was quite surprised at Perth Games Festival last year, and um, one of the, the organisers came back and goes, oh, you, you're the... When anyone talks about Perth Games, they mention your game. And I went, oh, really? And yeah. he said, yeah. And I said, but people didn't really crowd but, around to play it. And, you know, people came and they played it and they, and they left you know, quite happily. But, but there's not a monetary value on that. That's, yeah, what, that's, what so, that's what all that shipping is paid for, is that people now know of that yeah, product. And yeah. I think that's something different. Yeah. Do you think that was because, um, you know, speaking of people not necessarily crowding around to have a look at your game en masse, was because the Perth Gamers Fest was more angled towards the digital media rather than, than analogue media? I, I certainly got that impression. I mean, when I think about any games festival that isn't tabletop-centric, I generally think it's, it's digital game-centric. Majority of people still are, are digital gamers. You know, most kids, most you know, adults, teenagers, etc., have exper- exposed to, to digital games. So, yeah, I certainly expected that. Um, that being said, they did a um, announcement on who was the, the top game voted on via the people that attended it. Yeah. And Cogs led up to pretty much the last minute when one digital game pipped it, and I was I was stunned. I didn't expect. I mean, this year a lot yeah. of people loved it, a lot of people played it, but really, out of two and a half thousand people that went there, yeah, I mean. I think probably maybe 100 people tops would have played yeah. Ludicrous Cogs. Like, I only do six at a time. Yeah. And yeah. the games last about half an hour. So, you know, I'm looking at probably 60 to 100 people I can fit in, in the game in a, in a day. And yet it came out like it was pretty much leading the, the top game. So I was... We I mean, were up awesome. against... You were up against the cat milking game. The cat milking game. I mean, that's actually one of my favourites <laughs> as well. That's another Perth developer. I, I know, yeah, I know a lot of Perth developers. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Obviously just being around the... The traps with a lot of other people. So, yeah. Or, I mean, same Bramble Ash, that one that won the end. I know those guys that yeah. they're like, trying to launch. And, yeah, I, I wish them all Yeah, it's something, well. isn't it? I mean, we would play everything. I think we all play all sorts of media format games mm. of all sorts. But there's still something, you know, the tangible product and having mm. something in your hands. Definitely. 
and being able to interact with it and be become a mm. masterful with it is a little bit realer, isn't it? Than um, I think. It, I think the electronic games are very disposable. I mean, like I'll play them yes. and I'll yep. really enjoy them and I'll sink a lot of hours into them. But once they're done, they're dead to me. Yeah. You know, where I'll go back to a game that I was playing years ago if I enjoyed it. And yeah. Well, the interactions show. are different. So depending yeah. on who you're playing with, there's that as well. There's you know. It, I've got many board games now sitting, filling up the, my shelves. A lot of them sit there unplayed, but now they're things that I take out and I look at. They're actually things to be admired purely because of the, mm. the game design. And he opens the boxes the... and weeps openly about his childhood <laughs> that he's well, now lost. A few of them I look at purely. I, I separate from the rest simply mm. because there's something that clicked regarding the graphic design. Mm. Takedo is one of those games. It's a yep. beautiful game. Um, XCOM, because I can relate to the digital game, mm. and, but I can also... It, it's such a great design that uh, it, I, it, it's worthy of separating from the rest of my game, the rest of the pack. Yeah, we warmed that game that. super yeah. fast, yeah. didn't we? And a a lot of digital both. games, I think the disposable term is actually really good because they are getting shorter and shorter now. Yeah. Like, you know, back when I was a kid, you'd play games that would last months and you would have it would be a hard slog through months of gameplay that's now it's like it's impossible <laughs> yeah and some of them were nearly impossible and now it's pretty much oh no the i think the bring up of the mobile era is that they want games that are five minutes long yeah. so then the big triple a titles are kind of shrinking back towards that you know you, mm. you get a game where the, the playing the game is 12 hours like that's the entire length of the content of the yeah. game you can play it again for obviously different aspects and generally if you're a different type of game you might play it to get more out of it but yeah the games get yeah, you know, I've bought a hundred dollar game, and it was twelve hours worth of content. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that, that's what we get out of it. Quick, quick questions to end up. Then in your bio, uh, maybe this isn't a quick question. In your bio, it says that you've designed <laughs> over a hundred games. Name them. Oh, good God, man! <laughs> no, no, forget about that. Right? Okay, that'll no, be no. the comments. No, no, no. <laughs> all right, uh, no. In all seriousness, to close up, well, this is uh, the Seven Land Hand standard question. Now, isn't that right, Matt? Mm-hmm. Bring it on. Yeah, uh, it's been asked. Once before. Once, Stan. This is the second time. Yeah. So what method do you use to store your games at home? On a set of shelves. Uh, yeah, but that's, that's the easy bit. How are they ordered? Are they, you know, what sort of system oh, do you use okay. to yeah. order I, and I, find system. them? Okay, this is yeah. going to be one. By box size. Oh, a box size guy. <laughs> so French, I each shelf has a set height, so French, I try and make sure each shelf fits them all of that height. And then, then I usually kind of box height and within that so I'll put a cluster together all the same height because then you can fit another game on top of that parallel or oh, that's horizontal a, that's so. pretty much the same answer as uh, Sean from uh, yeah. Oklahoma the rivals mm. uh, guy he said he yeah like Tetris it he is said. I think t- I was <laughs> about Tetris to say approach. a Tetris is a good example it's basically ma- maximising your amount of board games for a given shelf yeah maybe that says something about us we've maybe got too much shelf space because you don't use that technique do you Matt uh no no no. What do you go by? I <laughs> it's my wife's fault. Right. I organise my board games by box color. Box, box color. color. Yeah. Well, okay, you just <laughs> blown my mind. <laughs> she she started by, by organising our our book library by by color of the spine, and then wow. I thought, well, because I I used to have them stored on the same shelf, so in, in right down the middle. So in order to fit with the color. The color graduation, yeah. the the box I had to match the box color to the books either side. So, <laughs> so they're going to get with the books. So and, and then it kind of became a little bit impossible to do like like that. So I retreated them into my own little private den, and uh, now I arrange them by yeah box color. 
<laughs> on as, as a shelf, you know, on a shelf. So, quick question for you: How would you rate cogs on box color? Oh, yeah, yeah I'm looking go. at it, and, and it would go with the light colored boxes. Light colored light. I see that. I see your definition of color. Yeah. <laughs> so, not white. It's not scalable. White. Yeah. Not white. Okay, it's a not white box. There's the all listeners. It's not white. <laughs> There's mm. the other box as well, which is a big box. orange box that has everything that's mm. other in it. <laughs> mm. All right, so it's you know, looking forward. To, uh, where and when can people catch up with you next, Wes? Have you got anything booked um, in for the calendar? There's Genghis Con in January. There is Swan Con in April. There is Rakon later in the year. Talking to a national audience here. National audience. Yeah, oh, okay. There. So PAX, I'll likely be at PAX again. I might get a booth next year. I'll, I'll wait and see. Yeah. We've got a, a group of Australian developers, the Tabletop Game Designers Australia. If you can get enough brass cogs over there to build that booth, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll try and. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I totally could. Don't 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 give me ideas. You might <laughs> have to ship it over. You know, you never know what the, the stuff Lucas is made of is actually intended to make furniture for exp- um, expos. So I could actually build an entire. <laughs> I could build my booth. I could ship it over. Okay, build nice my booth. One. Yeah. Anyway. I better not jump onto random ideas. Yeah. So probably that's the most <laughs> national one. I might try and get to CanCon. That's another big board gaming mm. convention. I have yet to get to that. Yeah. Um, oh, but that would be it off the top of my head. There's many coming up. And yeah. locally, people, you're uh, playtesting a new game at the moment, so people yes. welcome to come um, down and help you with that. Is that you looking for? Thursday yeah. nights actually here. Um, Thursday good, good nights. Games Thursday yeah. nights. I generally playtest um, with a couple other developers. One of those shot over, shot over um, to Japan at the moment. Yeah. Um, Ishwa. Um, yeah, absolutely. Always, always help. And if you've got game ideas, bring them down because a lot of people basically go, oh, I've got this idea, but I've got an idea, but I've never done anything with it. Yeah. It's like, bring it down, give yeah. it a run. You've got to test them. That's the best way to work. So if you want to come down and see the Gears turn developing the new <laughs> game, see what I did there. Yeah. Nice uh, yeah, come down and join Wes on a Thursday night at Good Games Cannington and yes, uh, get a taste of the new game coming out. Mm. What are we going to say next year sometime? Definitely next year. I, I want yeah. to get two. I'm actually a digital game designer as well. I actually want to okay. get two digital games, two board games on next year. But two, it, two digital and two board games. Yeah, it, it's yeah. I need to show it very, very quickly. And how how yeah. this year's gone, it's not looking good. Right. Um, but yeah, I'll have to wait and see what next year unfolds. So get down and help him with it. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll be back after this with neats and twos, neats which and is twos. news from your neck of the woods as, as well. Find out what's going on at your local good games. <laughs> Neats and twos. Neats and news. Uh, don't say the real. <laughs> give it away. That's for the listener to figure out. That's what it says here. Spoonerisms. <laughs> Neats and twos. You hey, wrote um, it down right. I <laughs> know oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> All right, uh, around Australia, we've got uh, Burwood Central Chatswood Town Hall. That's actually mm. uh, one, two, three, four stores. Burwood Central Chatswood Town Hall. Terminating at Town Hall. <laughs> Sounds down like a train, train, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. Not like practice to that. Anyway, all of those stores have a Christmas promotion between the 21st and the 24th, and then a Boxing Day sales from the 26th to 28th. Good days to haunt those guys. And yeah. Epping, do we know what Epping is? Epping's in New South Wales. Thanks, man. Uh, they've got a Christmas sale between the 21st and the 24th. These are all good game stores. And Top Ride City, which I've been, I've been there. That's right at the top of Ride City, so the top, the top of top. top Ride City, they've got the ingenious 12 days of Christmas. Each day leading to Christmas will add an additional promotion and on Boxing Day wow. sales, uh, 25% off store-wide. Anyway, uh, and also um, Good Games Hertzville, they're running the 12 deals of Christmas as well. Uh, let me. I'm just scanning through my notes here. 
21st to the 22nd, they've got 25% off all space-themed games. So that ridiculous RPG that you mentioned earlier on, <laughs> perhaps if they've got it, 25% off. Um, Not likely. <laughs> but, but theoretically. And if you do buy it from uh, Good Games Hurtsful, uh, write in and tell us what the answer was. 23rd to the 24th, 25% off all games munchkin-sized or smaller. Ah, right. There so, we go. So if you get it off the shelf and you jump on it a few times... <laughs> you flatten it out. So Twilight Imperium, yeah. and you stomp on it, stomp the hell out of it. Make it small. Yeah. <laughs> you stomp on it to, to munchkin game sized. Uh, it's yours. 25% it's off. because damage. Yeah, <laughs> well. Just don't let them see you do it. You're definitely buying it at that stage. <laughs> and COGS are available nationwide, I'd imagine, Wesley. Mm, indeed. Indeed. Uh, all right. And don't forget to go to our Dead of Winter competition, uh, facebook.com forward slash seven land hand. Leave a comment, uh, not, a po- not, a, not a like. You can like. Like the, like the like Facebook it. page. Come for the like. Stay for the comment. Yeah, like the page, not the post. <laughs> then comment and go into the draw to win Dead of Winter. And if you haven't got this game already by Christmas and we've done everything that we possibly can, what more could we do, Matt? We could offer a crazy incentive like, uh, I don't know, 10% off. Or, I don't know, there's no, 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 no. All right, let's not complicate things. <laughs> All right, um, I did say it. We're, doing, we're going weekly in December, so we're going to be back next week with our year in review show, discussing, yeah. discussing stuff that you may have missed out on, things that you should avoid, things you're looking forward to. Yep, that's it. Uh, so maybe leave a comment on this post about what you enjoyed in the year, what geeky things you got planned for 2016, and join in this discussion because it makes our show better if we hear from you. It gives us some ideas, you know, what, what's, what's out there and um, stuff we can check out. Yeah. And uh, by all means, go into all those stores I mentioned earlier on. It sounds like there's savings everywhere going on around the country. There's lots of um, there's been lots of new um, Facebook page likers from around the country at the moment. Yeah, that's real cool. So that that's awesome, guys. Keep that up, and yeah, if anyone else share, let people know yeah. we're out here. We're doing this for you guys. So and don't, I think don't forget the events as well. What always blows me yeah. away about the good game stores is like I mentioned in the intro is just like free board game nights and stuff like that. I mean, for years I would have games that required more mates than I had, or more mates that would then would that's show it. up at my house to play. I mean, this thing that's happening every week uh, in these play spaces. So get down there and get involved. Play any game you like. Oh, awesome. even bef- and even before you buy it. That sounds no, that's it. That's awesome. a good opportunity. Community is what we're building here. Community, folks. man. We should have a T-shirt. Community. <laughs> all right. Thanks for coming in, Wes. We'll, oh, we'll do an outro and say all that sort of stuff. So hold on to that. We haven't thanked you yet. Maybe, oh, maybe oh, we're not going to be happy. Retracted. So retracted. Thank you. All right. Blob. Here comes the outro. I'd like to thank Good Game Stores all over the countryside for spreading the word and supporting us with giveaways and a whole new world of listeners. Yes, I'm talking to you, Norton Roughly. And to Good Games Cannington for protecting us from the forces of nature and science. I'd also like to thank the mad scientist engineer himself, Wesley Lamont, for providing the best review of a board game we've ever had straight from the horse's <laughs> that mouth. That's true. And for making the time to have a cup of tea I don't even think you need the fireside the, chat. I don't even think you need the caveat um, <laughs> from the designer himself. Just the best game review ever. Best game review ever. Yeah. There we go. We could shorten that just to best game. Best game, period. <laughs> and of course, my co-host David for flicking the transformers, twiddling the transducers, and turning on the machine that goes ping every week. Sorry, my final thought. I'll just go along with my final cough. 
goes like this. You do not realize what we have here. In our hands, we have the cosmic force of creation itself. In our very hands, we can shape life, take it apart, put it together again, mold it like putty. And if you know where that reference is from, put it in the comments and you can win yourself a Sevenland Hat Hyper Magic Nerd badge. That's the truth. That is the truth. Good night, everyone.